1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
0: You're listening to the Aramco 2022 F1 Car Reveal Series. The race is on. And Ferrari has joined F1's launch season by revealing the new f 175 the car it hopes will allow it to recapture race-winning and perhaps even title-challenging form. But is it good enough, and what is going on with its sidepod design? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and many more is Gary Anderson. Well, Gary, before we get on to the car, you quite enjoyed that launch, didn't you? Nice and simple, straightforward. The car was a start, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I thought the launch was great. You know, it was fairly simple, easy. It was about the car, um, with the main players there to sort of uh, introduce it or show it or whatever you like to call it. But excellent! It wasn't all the paraphernalia that we see from some of these other guys. Um, so this this should be about the car. This is what Formula One is, um, and you know that's what it's that's what they advertised today was the launch of their new new uh, contender for. Um, 2022 and and that's what we saw hopefully um we never know quite exactly because there are subtle changes that could happen before the car actually turns a wheel even but um there might be some subtle changes they might need to do before the car actually turns a wheel but we'll get into that in a bit more detail in a minute
0: Yeah, and the car will hit the track on Friday, a 15-kilometre maximum demonstration event. They're doing that at Fiorano. The rules don't allow you to do it at a licensed circuit, which Fiorano is for F1, so they're having to cut and shut the track a little bit, so they're allowed to do that. And then they'll also run on a promotional day, so that's what we normally call a filming day, 100 kilometres maximum, Barcelona the day before the first pre-season test starts. So plenty of mileage for Ferrari there. But Gary, let's get on to the real talking point the side pods i must admit uh my untrained eye they, they don't look quite right they seem quite <laughs> quite unusual you've called the term valleys to describe the the shape of the top surface profile so so what do you make of this design
1: um well there may be something else going on there that we can't see but i you know we can only take things on face value and um I'm I'm not an aerodynamist by any means, but I've done a hell of a lot of aerodynamic research only from the one cars. And what I'm seeing at the minute, it's not just the side pods either, by the way, but what I'm seeing at the minute is a fairly confusing set of circumstances. It might be the you know, the the, the, the golden bullet or whatever you like to call it. Um but I d I, I don't see why that's the thing to try and understand. Um you know, there's two or three things that you've that we've tried to do through the years with these with these cars. Um and I know this is a ground effect car, but the reality of it is other than the leading edge of the floor and the diffuser being bigger, um, the rest of it is is bodywork profiling to suit the new regulations. And we've had ground effect on these cars for years, just not as powerful as what the 2022 regulations should give us. Um so although everything changes, the reality of it is nothing changes. And I can't quite understand what Ferrari have tried to do with the side pod, with the, you know, the sort of back of the driver, back of the cockpit. I suppose you might call it front of the airbox. It's just basically a big square uh, side pod, um, and obviously they've undercut the top of the side pod to try and pull the airflow down across the top of the side pod. I mean, you say into, underneath the rear, the rear wing, or onto the beam wing, or something. But then they flick it sort of back up again to To get a bit of an exit out of it. So I, I'm not seeing the, the philosophy and the design philosophy from the front of the car to the back of the car. I'm not seeing it connect up. And I don't really understand why. Now, maybe as I say, that, that this is going to be magic and all the rest of them are rubbish. But if you were to take this car and 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 put beside it the Alfa let's say, um, which I think is a neat little tidy package, you have a completely different, completely different concept. And... Yeah, okay. One's going to be better than the other. And the mate of Ferrari will probably end up being better than the Alfa Tauri, but not not from the, you know, from my point of view, not from the initial concept that we're seeing here.
0: Well, I must admit my rule of thumb is when you look at something like that, normally even someone like me can get the the absolute first principles normally after someone like you's explained it, but when you've got something like this that seems just to be a bit counterintuitive and not the right way, usually it means two things. Either it's just been got wrong or it's a stroke of genius and obviously there's a lot of very clever people at ferrari so they will have been able to look at that and they'll have had the same kind of counterintuitive feeling about it so they've had a very good reason that's just the fascinating thing isn't it to do something like that they must have they must at least think they've got a good reason whether it all adds up in reality is another question i guess
1: well you know if you start at the back of the car basically the, the rear track is uh, two meters wide The outside the rear wheels is two meters wide the rear tire diameter, I think, is 750 or some 760 or something. So three quarters of a meter high. And then you've got the a, a fairly powerful rear wing, which gives you an upwash. So if you take a, a section across the back of the car, the two rear wheels, the upwash of the rear wing, the the diffuser, in other words, the whole back of the car. If you take a snapshot of the back of the car and just drew a profile around it, that is the area of the car that, that's creating the low-pressure area behind the car. And you want to fill that hole up. the back of the car as best you can because the the further away from the car the low pressure area gets the more drag the car generates but that area across the back of the car is basically what the airflow heading for the front wing um, sees it's it's you pull the airflow around the car you don't push it around the car you pull it around the car and you pull it around the car and you try to increase the speed of it on various surfaces that's what wings do uh, that's what the underfloor does. You try and increase the speed, and that, and that speed increase means the air is thinner, goes faster, and creates downforce. But as I say, you can't push it around the car. You have to pull it around the car. So, you you know, although these cars start at the front and go at the back, they actually start at the back and go at the front, because that's what you need to do. And the, and the two the two ends of the car need to talk to each other. And, you know, if I was to take a, a jigsaw and slice this through at the front of the airbox they are two completely different cars in a way. You know, not, they, they aren't talking to each other, the, the front and back. And I, and I don't know how you get the performance out of something like that. How that you know, if you don't allow them to talk to each other and use the airflow at the, the back of the car to help the airflow at the front of the car and vice versa. And they have to connect up somehow. Now, you know, you take the Aston Martin as, as let's say, the way out wacky inception of that. It's, you know, with its undercut, Floor, it's double floor. I mean, Ferrari had that years ago with John Barnard in a double floor car. I think it was John Barnard. Um, it didn't really work as well as it should have done, but for different reasons. Um, you take, you know, the the Williams with hardly any side pod whatsoever on it, but it's still got shape in the side pod. But they have um, a very small side pod a lot further forward. Um, you take the McLaren, it's a fairly middle of the road concept. and you, know, you take the Alfa Tauri, it's a fairly middle of the road concept. But they have got a philosophy from the front of the car to the back of the car, and and they've carried that through. and And I I can't see that in this Ferrari. I'm sorry to say, I really, really wanted this to be something that I could feel was ready to challenge Red Bull and and uh, and Mercedes at the front. Now we haven't seen the Red Bull or the Mercedes. They might come out identical to the Ferrari, and then we can all. Know that they will race together, but where on the grid will they race together? That's the big question. We all want them racing at the front because they are the teams with the big drivers. The, the you know, the the whole philosophy of those three teams are about winning, and we need to get them back, Ferrari back, to joining those instead of being the, ahead of the midfield bunch. We need them. We need them in the middle
0: of the the leading bunch, and I don't see that in this car anywhere. Yeah, the the F92A Ferrari was one with the twin floor. I think it was just before Barnard went back. So I think it was a Jean-Claude Miggio and Steve Nichols idea. I think mainly Miggio was the, the twin floor proponent and John Barnard, I think, came in the year after. But yeah, it's a, he had a, a brief spell at Benetton in between his two Ferrari stints, so he's difficult to keep track of. But it is interesting what you say about that sort of disconnect in the side pod in that they've got the undercut and then they sort of give up on it. But I guess people will be thinking, well, this is all about the venturi tunnels for producing downforce does what's going on kind of on top of the floor really matter in the same way has ferrari just understood the trade-offs better than than anyone else could it be something like that um yes
1: um obviously it could be very easily i mean the, the underfloor tunnel is for sure the the thing that will generate uh you know a big percentage of the car's downforce in 2022 The the, the problem is just getting the continuity of flow through the car because the the diffuser itself, you know, uh, the underfloor just won't work as its as its own thing. Now, if you if you come forward in the car, the front the front wing is very heavily inboard loaded. Um, there are some other cars like that, but there are a lot of other cars that aren't quite so heavily inboard loaded. And if you've got a, an underfloor tunnel leading edge, um, coming up behind that, the wake of that front wing is going to affect it it's going to affect it dramatically because when you punch that front wing through the airflow, you know, the airflow comes out the other end of it, fairly fed up with life. You know, it's just been beaten to death to create front downforce. Uh, And then you're trying to get it into the leading edge of an underflow with as much energy in it as possible because the faster that airflow can get underneath the car, then the diffuser can accelerate it again. So you need to make sure that you're getting that flow into the car, into the underflow of the car as fast as possible, with as much energy in it as possible. Because The diffuser will just expand that flow and will mean that you, you know, as I say, you get more downforce out of the underfloor. So, um, maybe by not having the undercut side pods, if that's true, Aston Martin are definitely down the wrong avenue, as you might call it. But I, you know, I, I I, can't see this in my mind, as I say. I probably wouldn't have gone the Aston Martin route if I was sort of putting together a proposal. Um, I definitely wouldn't have gone the Ferrari route. So, if it works, it would definitely. Beats me. And as I say, I I, I think the the Alpha Alpha Tory come McLaren is a reasonably nice package. But if I was picking one right now, it would be the Alpha Torre. Maybe not the front wing on it, but the but basically the Alpha Torre side pod arrangement and packaging that's getting the diffuser, the airspeed across the top of the diffuser sorted out fairly early on, and um, allowing airflow to come from everywhere as opposed to really really dictating where it's going to come from.
0: Well, as Mattia Bonotto said, it's an innovative approach. They've talked about creativity, thinking outside the box. They've certainly done that with the side pods. So they're out there on their own. Let's see how they get on with those when the car gets running. You're listening to the Aramco 2022 F1 Car Reveal Series. Aramco continuously pushed the limits of engineering. As the global energy partner of F1, they drive a shared vision to real world innovation that aims to lower emissions enhance performance and drive ongoing human-led progress Aramco powered by how okay let's look a little bit more at other areas of the car should we move towards the front now because the nose again captures the eye pointy and it's not completely separated from the from the nose a lot of them the, the second element is what's actually mounted to the nose and then the, the the main plane as you used to call it at the bottom is is hanging off that but this is actually integrated to the nose now isn't it
1: Yes, and, the, and during the press release, that was the interesting thing that drivers were sort of saying about not having the the front wing hanging on pylons. Um, I mean, the, the regulations say that the front wing needs to attach directly to the nose. Um, what that is, I'm not quite sure. How you can sort of take that regulation and uh, implement it, because you know the one, the, the teams that have the second uh, element ha- directly attached to the nose and have the forward element hanging on it. Um, is that legal? I suppose, you know, I'm sure they've asked the question and I'm sure it is. Um, but there might be a little controversy there, but with this one here, you know, obviously they don't, they don't have that, um, that slot gap going across the, their first element to the second element, but they do have that spoon part in the front wing. We've seen that years ago. I mean, you have the big spoon, I think it was on the Honda. Um, we had a, they had a big spoon one year, uh, off the front main plane but that was at a time whenever the front wing was a bit lower. Um, and at that point in time, that's sort of when the FIA or the, the Pat Simmons, as it was that time, the overtaking working groups were coming in with the, um, the neutral section in the middle of the car so that the flow wasn't, uh, disturbed in the middle of the car quite so much, but times move on. So, you know, you end up with a different package, um, this this obviously the nose section going through it just in sort of front of the rear t- in front of the front tires is is a very small cross section so that's all good stuff but as i say the, the the thing about the inward end of the front wing flaps they are so heavily loaded that they make the you know they make the the front of the car really very very difficult to imagine getting good airflow off it now the you know, it's it's one of those sort of situations where obviously they work with a certain thing and then you optimise everything downstream because of what you've got and that's what they've that's what they've been doing, that's what they've had to do. But um I, I just I just can't quite see as I say that the optimization of the flow at the front of the car to help the leading edge of the sideboard. They do have the the, the front wing to the front wheels, so that there's a bigger gap between the end plates and the front wheel than on most other cars. that's a sort of strange regulation because there's a reference point in the chassis um, and the front wing is relative to that. And then the front wheels, you can actually move back and forward a bit. So there is a chance that people have got different concepts in that area. This looks like it's got a fairly big gap to the front wheels, which sort of means that the uh, front wing is in effect further forward. But you you can't have more than uh, 3.6 metres wheelbase So you've got to still comply with that. So you can't have a long car just because you hang the front wing out of it. You've got this front and rear wheel distance apart, and then you can position the rest of the car within that. So it'll be interesting to see who comes up with the right package as far as that's concerned. It will affect weight distribution, which is a very limited amount of of tolerance in it. I think it's 1% overall that you can move the weight distribution from a certain point. There's not much you can do there. But the aerodynamic distribution, you can change that little bit because of where the front wing is. So um, that's probably the biggest thing that I see that's varying between cars is, is how they're applying that, that given regulation. But only time will tell who's, who's got it right. You can't go very far apart because obviously the, the rules of everything has to tie up somewhere. But as I say, I, I, don't, I don't see really someone
0: that excites me at the minute about it and suspension push rod at the front pull rod at the rear there have been all sorts of rumors about what ferrari was or was not doing and someone said pull rod at the front but not very much push rod (laughs) and it kind of shows why listening to the rumor mill on what feature how cars might be designed is always uh, risky partly because sometimes there's designs that are worked on but don't actually get onto the car because they investigate all sorts of things so relatively conventional but anything in the suspension front or rear that catches the eye no,
1: relatively conventional. I mean, you can see where the top, um, the top wishbone forward leg twists through its, its length, um, starts off fairly uh, tail down, I suppose, at the inboard end, and then comes up to, a, um, changes the angle, the tail of it comes up a bit. You're allowed a certain amount of degree change on the, on the wishbones. Uh, and again, that's because of the weight coming off the front wing. You're trying to, to trap that and uh, pull it back down again, ready for the side pods. And obviously the radiator radiator intake is, is the highest point there. So that that top part of that front wing wake will be going into the radiator. Um and then the you know the next the next part down, which it all connects together, but the next part down of that wake will be going into the undercut on the side pod, which is very, very abrupt. And as I say, you know <clears throat> it's very bluff, I suppose you might call it. <clears throat> so they're trying to, you know, sort of really s- stall that airflow in front of that part of the side pod and force it out the side, which will create some um, uh, you know, wake coming out the side of the car, out- outwash as it's called. It's a bit like the sort of uh, the barge board, you know, whenever it's sitting there, it turned the airflow around and stuck it out the side of the car quite quickly. But um, but not the same because obviously the barge board was an individual component sticking up. It had flow both sides of it, uh, whereas this hasn't got flow both sides of it. This has only got flow on the front surface of it. So by pushing that out there, they can... It could probably work the front corner of the floor a bit harder, but there's nothing on the floor itself at the moment that shows that they're trying to work that front corner of the floor any harder. Um, and again, by doing that correctly, you could seal the back of the the back of the floor from from the where it starts to cut back in in the coke bottle a bit better. You might get more downforce out of the diffuser. So there's lots of reasons to think that what we're seeing could be made work, but on visually from an initial
0: point of view. I have to sort of stick a question mark on it. You mentioned that there's sort of the bluff transitions and and that kind of thing. And obviously, we have to caveat everything we say with these bits can change. Front wing, in particular, is a classic one for changing. But I must admit, when I first looked at the car, it looks purposeful. But it also just had that, that tiny little thing in my mind that reminded me a little of the Ferrari F310, which was the 96 car, which was a John Barnard car. Remember, I, I tend to think of it as a bit of an armchair with those big cockpit sides, because John Barnard didn't work out what you and Adrian knew he worked out about what you could do with the cockpit sides. Now it doesn't look like that car, but it, it just it looks sort of quite just a little bit chunky in in a way. That, that's just that's just the the very unscientific, uh, unmathematical way way of looking at it. Do, do, you, do you sort of feel that as well? Is that tying together the things you've been saying about the car? Yeah, it
1: is a bit chunky. We used to well, we didn't give it the credit of looking uh, the. the the older Ferrari we, we called it a skip because it looked like the sides of a skip basically. Um but it's still it was still quick. You know, and that's that's sometimes about the spacer between the engine and the gearbox, you know, when, when car has speed. Um and the team and you know, lots of stuff other than the design of the car. But yeah, th- this looks clunky to me. I think if you saw this car sitting beside and i I'm using the Alpha Tori here as an example, because it's a small team, uh limited to an extent, limited resource, but probably actually fairly well financially funded. Um, but if you put those two cars side by side now, you would probably say they're from a different era. Um, and that's a bit disappointing, really, I suppose you might call it, because th- things have moved on. And I am, you know, again, I'm not being critical of Ferrari, and this will probably be an absolute rocket ship, but I can't see why if it is. I, I would not have a clue why this would be a rocket ship. And again, it might just be the spacer between the engine and the gearbox, but they may have got it right this year. Um, but it's 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 something that just looks that, as you say, clunky. just looks, every area of it is big. You know, it's, it's, it's something that you just, it's not the philosophy of a racing car that I try to understand. Um, so, you know, maybe they've got some super-duper special packaging in there for the radiators themselves and stuff, and they need that side pod profile to, to achieve it. And that may be their killer you know, the the thing that makes it work. But um again, you know, the the Coke bottle area, it's sort of it's very quick. You know, it turns in very quickly. And you can't do that all the time because, you know, as I say, getting the airflow to stay attached on the inner surface of the of the Coke bottle is is quite difficult. Especially when the car's mid corner, when the when the car's sliding a little bit, the inside of the car. Um, you know, it can stall that inside of the cookball, and if you stole the inside of the cookball, you just destroy everything. Um, so, you have to give it some leniency for, for that sort of thing happening. Um, but, you know, let's just, I think, let's just wait and see what appears in testing, and and how testing goes, because uh, on face value, as I say, I'm, I'm not sure I see anything in this car that will bring them up to race with uh, with Red Bull, and well, with what we expect Red Bull and Mercedes to to be able to do maybe whenever we see their real cars you know i think mercedes is coming out tomorrow whenever we see it maybe we'll say jesus you know ferrari have done a
0: fantastic job but um i'm not holding my breath for that one yeah well that's going to be the the acid test isn't it the stopwatch never lies well sometimes it does in testing but not once uh, qualifying and races get underway you mentioned the the spacer between the, uh, the gearbox and the chassis We know it's not a split turbo, but they have done some quite clever stuff with their combustion technology. They had the hybrid improvement last year, so we're expecting a good step from the engine. But just Ferrari as a whole, while you can look at the car and there are some question marks over and everything you said makes sense, Ferrari does seem to be a team that is on a sensible trajectory. And I must admit, that gives me a little bit more confidence that when you get something that looks a bit unusual, you tend to think, well, it's either a stroke of genius or they've got it wrong. But... I kind of feel like the prior probability with the way Ferrari's gone over the last 12 months with the improvements it's made, they've made good changes there. I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt and think it's more likely perhaps they might have done something quite quite clever. So how do you feel about Ferrari as a whole?
1: Well, I think, I think if I go back to when we saw the last sort of main regulation change, I think it was 2017, whenever the aerodynamic regulations changed reasonably dramatically, um, you know, I thought Ferrari did a great job there. They, they, they were one of the first teams to realise that the shorter side pod, so getting the solutions for the side crash structures, um, and how the you know the barge boards and, and getting the wheels away from the, the rear of the front tires was you know the important issue.
0: Um,
1: I think initially when I that car came out, one of the things I said was that they didn't they didn't do the best job on the diffuser as far as connecting up to low pressure behind the rear tires, but that was changed very quickly. Um, so I think that time they read the rules very, very well and came up with a very good concept. Um, and then obviously went through the doldrums a little bit from there with the engine problems they had in 2019 and then the penalty they sort of suffered in 2020 and, and 2021 was was about coming back from there. So I think last year's car we have to take a little bit with a pinch of salt, not knowing if it was the the uh, the power unit that they were getting back on, on stream with um, or the car. I don't think either of them were bad, but I don't think either of them were top of the top of the list. And because of, of obviously they realized that they had to do something with the combustion chamber and the engines, um, they were working in that area. And then with this the new um fuel, but it's it's ten percent renewable ethanol, I believe, for twenty twenty two. And with that coming in and and working on the combustion chamber at the same time to recover from whatever they were doing in 2019 that contravened the regulations to a certain extent, um, they were obviously working in the right area and they had the right understanding. So I wouldn't be surprised if they've made a decent step in that area because they had to anyway. So it'll it'll be a matter of time to see, but um, I'm pretty sure that I would say the power unit is going to be up there this year. As far as the car is concerned, um, I just have to hold my breath and and wait and see. I really want Ferrari to be fighting at the front because – I don't support Ferrari or anything like that, but Ferrari are Formula One, and it's lovely to see them in that competition at the front and and battling with it. And and we've missed that over the last few years, to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, they're the team most likely to be able to join Mercedes and Red Bull at the front. So yeah, it's good for everyone if Ferrari's up there. Obviously, the engine thing they're recovering from, we should say that the FIA believed they were operating the engine illegally but they couldn't prove it that's the uh, technical thing but the fact that Ferrari gave away lots of secrets and helped shape those technical directives I think makes it pretty clear what was <laughs> what was going on there well
1: it's um it's all about wording uh how you read it and where you can bring the gray areas in so I don't think Ferrari did anything or doing anything blatantly illegal I think they were working perhaps outside of what the, re- the t- intention of the regulations was but I also think that whenever we see all these F1 cars lined up, there'll be a few people thinking, oop, that wasn't what we intended whenever we wrote these regulations. So I think there'll be, you know, it's not all all done and dusted just yet. There might be a few interpretations that need questions answered or asked. And I think the teams will be the best people at um, being the the, the referee on that, you know, more than the FIA or more than the F1, because the teams have spent now, you know, a, a... a year with probably a couple of hundred engineers at each team, digging deep into these regulations to find the loopholes. So, you know, some people will have done things 100% correctly. Some people won't. Um, so I'm expecting to see some fireworks uh, whenever the, the teams start complaining about each other a little bit. Not that they would. You know, they're all gentlemen in Formula One, so they don't do that sort of thing. But uh, I'm sure there'll be a few emails slipping back and forward to the FIA or to Ross Braun at F1 to say, hang on, it's okay, Ross, you know. That's what you, you meant to happen here? Because we didn't read it like that, you know.
0: Yeah, so, well, there's already plenty of correspondence starting, even from the bits and pieces they've seen so far, and the really trick stuff won't have appeared yet. So thanks very much, Gary Anderson, for your insight. It's going to be great to see how Ferrari gets on this year. Head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen. You can read Gary's in-depth analysis of the car there, as well as all the rest of our coverage of the Ferrari launch and the Mercedes launch That's uh, that's on Friday. Do also check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, and also have a look at our YouTube channel if video is your thing. The launches are continuing to come thick and fast. We'll be back next time with everything you need to know about the new Mercedes. Thanks for listening to the Aramco 2022 F1 Car Reveal Series.